Zelensky show the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines prophecy and the deeper things of God now here is your host and time watchwoman Sheila Zelensky hello listeners and welcome to this September 15th 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelensky show it is such a privilege to be on the air with you folks today and I just want to let everyone know we have an exciting new feature We now have an app that you can download on any smart device or mobile phone. It is in the App Store. Just look up Sheila Zielinski and you can download that app. And I am told that all the shows will be populating and available sometime towards the end of the week. So that's really exciting and very convenient. Just a click away from all the latest episodes. I broadcast Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also go to my podcast by visiting weekendvigilante.com and clicking on the podcast button there. You can also click on show archives on the menu tab and watch all the latest show archives. And do follow me on YouTube and Twitter and, of course, Facebook page, Weekend Vigilante. Like my page as there's a lot of different updates on there as well. I'm very excited to have on my guest today. My guest is Watchman Nathan Leal from Watchman'sCry.com, and he's here to join me on some very strange happenings in the world, and I'm going to get his take on what he thinks of all this. Nathan, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you back on. Thanks for having me. It's always a great privilege to be on here and just share what the Lord is saying with your audience. You know, there's a term I coined a while back, and I call it Caligula-level craziness. I mean, you cannot make up these headlines. They're throwing the kitchen sink at us at mock speed to boot. And there's a real, again, a confluence of some very ominous manifestations taking place here. So think about this. Back in January of 2014, we learned that Satanists were unveiling a Lucifer statue for the first time in Oklahoma Capitol. And then in July of this year, we learned of a nine-foot-tall statue of Baphomet being unveiled, of course, in Detroit. And we also saw a seven-ton replica statue of the Egyptian god Anubis. Anubis is that kind of half-jackal-looking, half-man So we've got this huge Egyptian god making its way to New York. And that wasn't too long ago. And in a story called Anubis and the Death of America. Now, Anubis was the Egyptian god of the dead and the afterlife. But what was interesting is in the particular exhibit where it was, it was called the Golden Age of the Pharaohs and the God Men. So on the heels of that, you have these Satanists consumed with bringing back these golden age so-called god men but concurrent to that nathan were also being acclimated to these luciferians for eternal life through the re-engineering of humanity and i mean it's so prevalent but a couple of other things just on the heels of this of course we saw this very disturbing image of 
Kali, the Hindu god that was on the side of the Empire State Building not too long ago. In fact, that was around the 12th of August that happened. And then what's very disturbing is you've got, because of course they're getting set to kick things off in CERN, you've got this huge transgender Hindu pagan destroyer goddess. Again, you really have this confluence here, don't you? I mean, what is going on with all this? The end time gateways are being opened to fulfill Bible prophecy, and we are watching the powers of darkness and their minions being used to play the role in summoning the the gateways and some people know them as portals, but gateway portals, by the way, portal comes from the Spanish word gate. That's the Spanish word for door. So uh, that's what we're watching, Sheila. We are seeing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And I find this topic interesting. It's a little spooky when you look at it, but when we compare it to the Bible, and if we keep it in the right context, the spiritual context, then we can understand what's going on. And I think that this is one of the things, and, and you had said this off the air, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to touch this because it is spooky and, and there's not a lot of teaching on it. So it, it's going to take the people like you and, and, and me and the watchmen and the ones that God is raising up in the last days to understand it, to, to talk about it and bring it to the front. Because if people don't know what's going on, how are they going to be able to, to fight it, to resist it? Because it's happening right now. Of course, we're right smack dab. It's, of course, September 15th. So we're just days away from the Pope Francis False Prophet 2015 tour here, but as they're ushering in this One World Climate Authority is what they're trying to implement to help solve the ever-mounting world's problems to the Vatican's own fascination with Lucifer, obviously. They have this mighty telescope that peers into the heavens. Of course, Dr. Tom Horn has covered a lot of this in Ex-Vaticana, Petrus Romanus. You can't even make this stuff up. The Vatican has a telescope called the Lucifer, and then something more bizarre, it just surfaced in the last few weeks, and it's this very strange UNICEF commercial. Apparently, Pope Francis, His Holiness there, and UNICEF Executive Director Anthony Lake, they met just last week in Rome to launch a partnership that will provide more disadvantaged adolescents with the skills and information to be participating citizens of their societies and the world. Well, that phrase, the world... Nathan, you saw a copy of this commercial, very insidious, very strange, very creepy. And this is a culmination of really trying to acclimate us to some sort of strange alien invasion. It is. And I, if we could go back, Sheila, a few years to the 2012 Summer Olympics, do you remember the opening ceremony? Did you have a chance to, to see or witness that? Very satanic indeed. It was the creepiest thing I've ever seen, and I did a, a series on it, spent a lot of time on it. It took several months of in-depth study, but I took the, the snapshots of that event, and that thing was influenced by Satan for sure, because an actual ritual took place even back then where you had all the nations of the world gathered together, and athletes that represented, they were kind of like the diplomats of their respective nation, were in one stadium, and they summoned the powers of darkness. They opened up the uh, a hatch or a gateway to the underworld. And do you remember in the opening ceremony, there was a, a little green mountain hill yes. on, in the field? That was an, an imitation of, of an actual iconic landmark that it, exists in England, Glastonbury Tor, which is Glastonbury Mountain. And that's uh, a very fabled 
location, it's kind of like Stonehenge, and the pagans will gather there and they'll do their rituals, but they believe that it's a gateway to the underworld, and Avalon, even the fabled Avalon, legendary location, is inside that mountain. And they recreated it on the Olympic floor, and then at one part of the ceremony, they had an oak tree that was on it, and the oak tree started to float up, and then a lot of characters poured out of a hole that was under the oak tree, and that represented the underworld opening and these creatures coming out. And they did that, and the entire world, over a billion people saw it, and they loved it. And back then, when it was occurring, this has been a few years now, I had stated that the whole world just got slimed on that thing. And so those athletes who were slimed with this summoning thing that took place went back home, and now the entire world's going to get slimed with, wow. with the creatures from the underworld that are going to pollute the entire planet. And we're going to start seeing a lot of weird, weird things take place because even when those characters poured out of that imaginary mountain in the Olympic floor, they, uh, a band, a pagan band called Pandemonium, so they started playing a song called Pandemonium with drums. It was the, the creepiest thing. And also included was the, the uh, actor Kenneth Branagh, He's a, a European icon. He gave a speech from Shakespeare's The Tempest, and he recited the lines from The Tempest. And if you remember that, it was it was a very odd thing that he did. And they had the Olympic bell. Do you remember that big bell they had? Also, it said, Be not afraid, the aisle is full of noise. Yes, that was inscribed yes, on the do, bell. Yes. But he quoted this, Be not afraid, the aisle is full of noises, sounds and sweet airs that give delight and hurt not. Sometimes a thousand twangling instruments will hum about mine ears and sometimes voices, that if I then had waked after a long sleep will make me sleep again, and then in dreaming the clouds methought would open and show riches ready to drop upon me that when I wake I cry to dream again. It's, it's a, an odd part of Shakespeare's The Tempest, but that character that made that quote in The, uh, the Tempest, the Shakespearean play The Tempest, his name is, is Caliban, and he's a half-demon chimera, half-human, half-demon creature that was born on the island when a person washed ashore, kind of like Gilligan's Island, and made it with a demon, and he was the baby, and he lived on that island by himself. So in the Shakespearean legend, another person that washes ashore meets him, and this creature and him throughout the, uh, the Tempest story there's drama that develops, etc. But this creature is a, is a part of it, and he's a demonic creature. And the Olympics use this half chimera, half demon, half human creature as part of the Olympic ceremony. And you have to ask, why did they do that? And it comes back to that commercial you just mentioned, that weird alien creature in, in the UNICEF. They, there, is, there is a love for the mingling of themselves with the seeds of men, and, and we know about that. We talk about this on our programs. You talk about this, but it's not popular, but this is where we are. Sheila, we are in the days, just like in the days of Noah, there will, these, these creatures from the underworld are going to mingle with humans. Demonic infestation is going to come on, on the, the shores of the land, and then when they come, we're also going to see invisible manifestations occurring in the lives of, of people, which is going to develop into, how does it translate? news stories of just weirdness and bizarreness and crimes and horrible, horrible evil from the, from the pits of hell is going to come to the surface. I mean, right now we have the hatred taking place in America now. You know, there's a demon of murder. There's a demon of blood. There's a spirit of blood and murder and darkness. 
that is spreading throughout not only America, it's in the West, it's in the Middle East for sure, the beheadings. There's a, a, a spirit of blood that has been summoned, and it's also a spirit of death that has been summoned to dimension of man, but it has been summoned on purpose by these people, these pagans, these Satanists, who are willingly bringing these dark forces on land, on shore, and we're watching it happen. So when the Olympics did it, we saw it occur then. But if, if this, since then, you brought up all those other weird manifestations and summonings, like the jackal thing, Anubis. Why in the world would, would normal thinking people welcome a demonic jackal and parade him around the United States if it wasn't nefarious? Why would they have the Baphomet? Why would they have all these statues? And, and why did the shamans do their, their skull parade around the country to open portals? We've seen that over the past few years. And before the last several years, if we went back 10 or 15 years, this thing was unheard of, this type of activity. But now we are seeing it on a daily basis. But the question is why? And the answer is Bible prophecy. And, Sheila, I have a study that I've been working on. I have not published it yet. I have not really talked about it. Because when I do talk about it, it's going to be hard for people to swallow. It, it is so bizarre. But there are prophecies in the Bible that explain all of this, and they actually include what we're talking about right now. And they also tell us the atmosphere, the landscape, and what we're going to see in the very end of time, but they're cloaked in mystery. The way that God will cloak his, his prophecy, he makes it cryptic so only the wise can understand. But Jesus shared some things in prophecy, and it's also included in, in the Old Testament, that, that actually identify some of these creatures we're talking about right now. Like the Anubis statue, that has been prophesied. Yes. I want to share some of that for the audience and listening audience what you're going to hear right here may be something that you have never heard before. And at first, Sheila, it's going to be hard to receive. But if people can digest it and pray about it, there can be no argument that something very, very bizarre is going on and it has been prophesied. Now, first, I want to start off with this. I, I want to mention a creature. And when I do this, Sheila, at times I get emails and people say, Nathan, you, you shouldn't talk about this stuff because it's, it's dark. It's oppressive, but the Bible has it. The, the Bible talks about it, and the only way that anyone's going to survive, the only way that someone's going to be able to sustain themselves in the end times is by knowing the wisdom and knowledge that comes from the, the, the Scriptures. In Isaiah 33, verse 6, it says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, Yes. and the fear of the Lord will be his treasure. So during the time of the end, it's going to be through having wisdom and knowledge. Now, I, I know that there is a, a struggle with some people, and there's a big argument, and I don't want to argue the philosophies of men because I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I will admit I'm a student of Bible prophecy, Sheila, and honestly, I don't think anyone has it figured out. It, it's, it's a puzzle. And the, at best, what we are doing is trying to find pieces of the puzzle. But once a person says they have it figured out and, and they lay it on the table and they say this is what the Scripture means for the end times, if they're wrong, then that means that they will not be open to the truth if someone presents them or if they come around it. So I, I like to say it this way. I like to say, what if there's another way it's going to happen? And what if some of these Scriptures also may include something 
in a different manner. So with that said, I, I want to say this. I, I know that there's an argument over who Babylon is, Mystery Babylon in the end times, and we have Bible scholars who have been wrestling with that for centuries. At this point where I am in, in my walk with God and, and where I am, I believe that it's multi-layered. Mystery Babylon, by the way, by its very term, it's a mystery. And then when we, we research the Mystery Babylon, we also see another term called the Daughter of Babylon, which tells us that it's joined at the hip or there are tentacles of Babylon to another creature, a Daughter of Babylon. So what is that? So at this point in my life, I believe that it includes portions of the West, but there is also the seat of it, the head of it, which I believe at this point the United States is playing a huge, huge role, and then its allies are going to play a role in that. So that includes Canada and also Europe, NATO, and the EU. So Babylon has several layers, but one of the, the points of Babylon, one of the primary things to, to see about Babylon is when the Bible talks about it, if we can see that Babylon and, and mystery Babylon and the way the narrative of Babylon is going to repeat history that we saw in Scripture in the Old Testament, and if we can get a hold of that, then it, it kind of helps us to be able to have a template of what, it, what to expect. What do I mean by that? Well, when we look at mystery at old Babylon in the Old Testament, Babylon played a role with the people of God, Israel. Right? They, they invaded Israel. Nebuchadnezzar showed up, surrounded Jerusalem, and destroyed Jerusalem, and then took them captive for 70 years. So Babylon brought oppression to the people of God. Now that we're in the New Testament, the people of God have been grafted in. It's the Gentiles. It's the church. But in the same way, Babylon is going to bring oppression to the people of God in the end times, in the, in the same manner. So in the Old Testament, Babylon surrounded Jerusalem and did some bad things to Jerusalem, killed a lot of people, took them captive. In the New Testament, in Revelation, we see the beast rise up, and we see mystery Babylon mentioned in Revelation 17 and 18, and we also see that for a season, the, the beast will be given authority to overcome the saints. In the same way as the Old Testament, the people of God were overcome, in the end of time, they're going to be overcome. Now, in Revelation 18, an interesting thing is stated about mystery Babylon. It says that mystery Babylon in, in Revelation 18 has become Revelation 18.1. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and earth was lightened with his glory. Verse 2. He cried mightily with a loud voice. Now, Shiva, this is very, very key right here. He says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit. It didn't say some foul spirits, it said every. That means every foul spirit in the entire planet is in Babylon and a cage, a very unclean and hateful bird. Cage means prison. Cage means you can't get out. Why does it say that? All right, at the end of time, what we see right here, there's a prophecy that says all the demons of earth are going to end up in Babylon at some point. Why does it say that? And, well, what? How can that be? Well, what that means is the demons, the invisible creatures that wreak havoc on mankind, are going to all gravitate at some point to wherever Babylon is, and at this point I believe it's the West, and now, and now they're, of course, in the Middle East and causing bloodletting with Christians, but many of them are going to assemble 
in America, Babylon, as well as the West, they're going to end up here doing some creepy things, which means, now, according to, to what I'm proposing right here, if the West and if America is a part of this Babylonian transformation, that would mean that the old West and the old version of America is going to have to go through a metamorphosis to become this new Babylon. And when it goes through that metamorphosis, things are going to be very obvious and evident in its change. Now, I'm saying all that to bring us to an event that took place in 2012. And I believe that it was prophesied and weak. When I show you this, Sheila, and listeners, when you look at this, and if we are actually, if we try to look at it through the eyes and the mind of God, I know in the natural it, it sounds bizarre, but it's, gonna, it, it's right here in Scripture, Sheila, so I want to ask the audience to do, to do this. Turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 39. If you can do this also, and if you can show your friends, some of you have been trying to, to convince some of your friends, hey, Babylon's here, and it's the West, it's America's involved, etc., and people will argue, no, it's uh, Iraq. Well, let's look at this, Sheila, because this is, this is a bizarre thing. I, I don't know any other way to put it. We're, we're going to start at verse 1. Now, let me give the, the background of this. Jeremiah warned Jerusalem and Israel that they were going to be overcome and, and overthrown. For 40 years, he, he warned them. And for 40 years, he was persecuted and abused. Five kings went through his ministry. They came and they went, and people would say, so where is it, Jeremiah? Come on. It hasn't happened yet, and 10 years will go by, and then 20. 40 years, Sheila, so that's God's mercy. Now, finally, it happened. Finally, the king that Israel was under the rule of was a puppet of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had showed up a few years previous to their to Jerusalem's destruction, and he placed a puppet king in office. His name was Zedekiah, and he placed him in office, and after a few years of being under the thumb of Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah said, you know what, I don't like obeying Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to get Egypt to be my ally, and we're going to just resist, and we're going to get our freedom against Babylon. I'm tired of this. So Nebuchadnezzar heard about his plan, and Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what, I'm going to go squash this real quick and show him who the boss is. So Nebuchadnezzar got all the Babylonian soldiers, and they came from Babylon, and they surrounded Jerusalem. So in, in Jeremiah 39, they show up. And it says in verse 1, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, stop right there. What that means is they, just like you see in those Lord of the Rings movies, they, they surround the city. But the city shuts the gates, and they, they have their, their archers, and they try to resist as best they can. But outside the city, the invading army will go into the woods and, and build siege tools and siege works and catapults and all that stuff so that they can knock the walls down. That's what happens. So Babylon goes into the woods, and they're starting to build siege weapons. And it, they didn't do it overnight. It took over a year for them to be outside the walls, and they were hurling rocks constantly to Jerusalem, and the people inside Jerusalem were running out of food, and they started to starve. They began starving. And Jeremiah witnessed the famine inside the city as people died. Uh, most of the wealthy ones died. The children died. Lamentations talks about that. Now, after the siege had taken place for a year and a half, finally, they bust through the walls. Now, Sheila, watch this right here. This is incredible. In, in Jeremiah 39.2, listeners, please pay attention to this. In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month. So, in verse one, it says in the ninth year, or the 
the ninth year, tenth month, they showed up. In the eleventh year, fourth month, they busted through the wall. So that's we can do the math. It's about a year and a half. But make note of, of the months that are mentioned in verse two. In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, in the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. So they bust the walls down, and Babylon came through the gates of Jerusalem. And when they went in there, that's when they burnt the temple and destroyed it and all that. Killed everyone, took them captive. But verse 2 says something real interesting. Now, in verse 3, it says, Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, and it mentions Nergal Sharazi. These are actual captains that worked for Nebuchadnezzar. But it mentions this guy, Nergal. And then it says, Sam Garnebo, Sarachim, Rab, Cyrus, Nergal, Sarizer, he, there's Nergal again, Rabnag, and the rest of the princes of the king of Babylon went through the gate, and they went into Jerusalem. Now, hold that thought for a second, but I want to back up to verse 2. If we look at the similarities of America and Jerusalem, and I have been saying this for years, Sheila, and it's not just me. There are many others that have noticed this. David Wilkerson said this 40 years ago. God showed this to him, and God revealed to him the same thing, and other watchmen, other ministers of God, messengers, etc., that the same things that Jerusalem went through, America's going to go through in a, in a similar fashion. The Christians are going to go through a, a similar thing. Even Rabbi Khan with the Harbinger book and, and the Shemitah, you know, you know that one, he has made the same observations, that America is following the same pattern of Jerusalem. And Rabbi Khan made this observation, but I, I have also done, I'm, I'm bringing him up and I'm bringing others to show that I am not the only one, Sheila. God is using a whole army of messengers, and he's given us the same message. But one of the key things that cannot be ignored is that 9-11 changed the world. September 11th, 2001, it changed everything, right? Absolutely. We, we know this? Yes. It changed the way that we do security. It changed everything. It, it brought in the police state worldwide to the West, Everything changed after 9-11, and if we look at the calendar when 9-11 happened, it also happened during one of those Shemitah years. It happened near Rosh Hashanah, all of that. It, it was a similar thing in September, and then we come forward seven years. We, we get to 2008, which was another interesting calendar event, as Rabbi Khan says, for the Shemitah. Now, but I, I don't want to concentrate and digress on, on that. I want to just bring this up. In September 11th, Something major occurred, and in, in, in the book, The Harbinger, Rabbi Khan talks about how the cedar tree and all that, Washington. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that to show that there are, are others that have documented a similar thing. Now, because September 11, 2001 was, I would say, a milepost marker, we can gauge other events from that calendar date. And if we use that date and look at something that's written in the Bible, we have an interesting, very interesting result. Now, let's, use, let's do that. Sheila, let's use September 11th, 2001. And in fact, if you, listeners, if you write this down, September 11, 2001, and on a piece of paper, you have it right there in front of you. Now, in Jeremiah 39, verse 2, when it says Babylon went through the gates and destroyed Jerusalem, we have the formula right here in front of us to show that America is Mystery Babylon. Now watch this. In the 11th year of Zedekiah, Fourth month, ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. So let's take 11 years. So write down 11 years on a paper, four months on a paper right under it, and nine days right under it. Okay. September 11, 2001, Sheila, let's do this. Let's go from 2001 and add 11 years to it. That takes us to the year 2012. 
Okay. So that takes us to September 11th, 2012. Have we had 11 years? Now, let's go forward four months from September 11th. So you have September, if you count it on your fingers, you have September, October, November, December, January 11th. Okay, now we went into a new year, 2013. So now we're in January 11th, 2013. Are you following? Because it says 11 years, four months, nine days. So now we are in January 11th, 2013. And then it says nine days. So now we're at January 11th, 2013. Add nine days to that, and we come to January 20th, 2013. You got that? Roger that. Okay. Listeners, are you, are you following? Now, on that day, according to the Old Testament, Jerusalem was penetrated by Babylon. On January the 20th, 2013, what took place? the inauguration of Barack Hussein Obama. Now, is that a coincidence? No, it's not. If we move forward to verse 3, it says, Then all the princes of the king of Babylon... So now we have America needs to turn into Mystery Babylon. We have the princes of the king of Babylon walk through the gate, the gateway, the portal. They came through from the underworld. And the first one mentioned, Sheila, is Nurgal. If anyone goes on, on the Internet and you do a search for Nurgal... These names right here, Sheila, are actual demonic entities that, are, that were worshipped in Babylon, and they still exist to this day. They are, they are demons. They are princes. So they're obviously very high-ranking demonic entities that we're talking about here, right? They are very... Now, if someone chooses to use Bing, whatever search tool you use, if you were to do a search for Nurgle, it brings up the Wikipedia pages. People say, Nathan, really, Wikipedia? Well, citation needed, ladies and gentlemen... Things are cited. They, they do use historical documents to, to back up what they're saying. So if you were to punch in Nurgle on Wikipedia, because there is, there is documentation, it is cited. Let me just read what it says right here, uh, Sheila. And if you have it right there, you can look it up, Nurgle, on, on Wikipedia. The name Nurgle, Hebrew, Nurgle, was a deity that was worshipped throughout Mesopotamia, Assyria, Babylon, with the main seat of his worship at Kulta, and it, it says where they worshipped him. He's in the Hebrew Bible. They, they worshipped him. He's even in the, in the Scripture. Now, if you go down to see all his uh, resume, his credentials, this guy, he's a bad guy. It says, being a deity of the desert, he's the god of fire, which is one of the neg- negative aspects of the sun. He's the god of the underworld, also being a god of one of the religions which rival Christianity and Judaism. Nergal was sometimes called a demon and even identified with Satan. According to Colin DePlancy, Nurgle was depicted as the chief of Hell's secret police. And he worked as an honorary spy in the service of Beelzebub. Now, with that context in mind, Sheila, and I'm not trying to give accolades to these guys, but they do exist. Paul tells us, principalities, they're, they're up there. Absolutely. Okay. If this creature, if this is part of his resume, he is the, the chief of Hell's secret police, and he's an honorary spy in the service of Beelzebub, this, now let's bring it back to Inauguration Day, when Obama was inaugurated for his second term. On that day, Sheila, I proposed, and when it was about to happen, I shared it, and I said, you guys, we are going to watch a shift happen in America and throughout the world. Babylon is going to, America is going to shift into that, that new creature. We're going to see it happen. It's going to get weird. What happened on that day, Sheila, was the gateway, since they welcomed him, even in the Olympics, this creature came through, with his other buddies, in verse 3 are mentioned, and they invaded the White House of America. They invaded the, the uh, 
administration, the cabinet members, and they have been influencing the policies of America, of the West, uh, of, of the EU, because it goes out. America has joined at the hip to the entire West to bring in the police states. And since Nurgle is a genius of hell secret police, he knows how to be a, a, a he, he knows how to bring Hitler's Stasi into a kingdom because he's been around a while. He was involved with Hitler in, in the old administration in Germany, as well as others that we have seen through time. When you see dictators involved in, in human oppression through time, their hell helps them, the, the demons of hell. So in 2012, this preacher came through, and I have proposed this. The, the, the White House is possessed by the spirit of Nurgle and, and blood and, and bloodletting, and that's why we are seeing the United States in, in foreign policy promote ISIS, fund ISIS, and, and kill Christians and persecute Christians because the bloodletting has begun. There is a demonic thing going on right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know what I'm sharing here is creepy, but, Sheila, is it just a coincidence when we look at the math and, and what I just presented? No, it's not, because in Revelation it says it has become the cage of every hateful bird and, and, and foul spirits. Now, I want to point to another prophecy that, that was given by Jesus that gives us a peek to even go deeper with this. And this is going to confirm what you brought up about that jackal creature. Yeah, Anubis. Actually, don't forget Anubis was the the one I'm talking about that was the half jackal, half man. It's very interesting that if you look back at the ancient mystery religions of Isis and Osiris, that particular deity is tied into them as well. But there's also a Stargate connection involved in all of this too. So if you do some number crunching, the same date that they're firing off CERN also happens to be a corresponding particularly occultic date to these this Egyptian mystery religion of unearthing, unleashing Isis and Osiris and Anubis, which is very interesting considering what are we looking at there in Geneva, Switzerland? It's just getting creepier by the minute. Like it is. You, you have science, you have physics, you have architects, all the people and all the arts of man and the disciplines and skills of man are involved together to do this thing. And it's just like, why? But it's because hell is, is, a, is being allowed temporarily to be involved because we're coming on the last lap, aren't we? we are. the, yeah. the final chapter. It's, it's amazing. Now, I, I want to point out a verse, a prophecy that Jesus, where he actually told us everything. What we're talking about right now, Sheila, is in Matthew 24. So I want to point to this, and then I'm going to share it, and the audience can digest it, because you can't digest this information overnight. This, this can open up an entire world of, wow, are you serious? Are you kidding me? It's been there the whole time. So in Matthew 24... If you have your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, please turn there. By the way, side note, you, you know, well, I'll, I'll mention that in a second. But 24 verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. And I believe someone took that and showed how Barack's name, Obama's name, relates to that in the Arabic. You, you've seen that, right? I have seen it, and it is actually quite creepy. <laughs> it, it is creepy. Okay, but watch this, Sheila. Verse 27 Ladies and gentlemen, hint, hint, you, you can, and if you have a chance, you can go to YouTube and then put that in. Uh, Obama is in the Bible. It'll bring it up because I don't want to sidetrack because this is, I, I want to talk about this. So 
so we have in, in verse 27, possibly now, Nathan, are you exactly sure that, he, that God's hinting to Obama's name? I don't know, but what if he is? So let's just do it that way. Interesting, though. In verse 28, Jesus says something very uh, veiled. And most people read it and they just keep going. They, they don't understand what he meant by it. In verse 28, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered, or the hawks will be gathered together. And then he goes to verse 29, immediately after the tribulation. So, but I don't want to go to 29. I want to stop on 28. Why did Jesus say that? And most people are, don't know. Well, why did he say that, Nathan? And, and Sheila, I am right now on a mission of, dis, of trying to uncover and discover the hidden, hidden, below the surface, below the layers, secrets that, that God placed in the Bible, and he hid them in plain sight, but it takes a little bit of detective work to find them. And I uh, have been working on a, a sermon series, The Feeding of the 5,000. I don't know if you've had a chance to hear that one. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't, it's on my website, watchmanscry.com. It's a, a series. And the purpose of this series is to find the secrets that are under the layers. And Sheila, once you start looking under the layers of, I believe, every account, every parable, everything Jesus did has layers and layers that go down deep that opens up a, a treasure of incredible, priceless treasure. Okay. Yes. So right here in 28, there is a secret hidden. What did Jesus mean? Now, he, there's a, a, a key that if we keep the key in mind when we're reading any of the words of Jesus, it opens up a whole new world. So ladies and gentlemen, here's what the key is. Many, many times when Jesus says something in the New Testament, what, whether it's just a conversation or it's a parable, many times he's giving reference to an Old Testament verse but he just goes right past it. He, he gives the reference in the middle of his words, but he doesn't comment on it. He's a, he doesn't stop on it. He just keeps going. So it's up to the scribes of God, the, the, the disciples of God, those of us who are, are trying to be discerning, to try to find the hidden words. And here in verse 28, he did that. So wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. He is referencing a prophecy in Isaiah in, in these words right here. So if you go to Isaiah 34, ladies and gentlemen, Sheila, if you have your Bible, let's do that. Okay. Isaiah 34. Now keep in mind the two markers, the demarcation words that Jesus gave. He said wherever the hawks are, or the, the carcasses and, and, and hawks or eagles. So in Isaiah 34, and by the way, I just happened upon this. It was an accident. Sheila, one day I was in Isaiah and I was going, oh, that sounds so familiar. What is that? And then the Holy Spirit, boom, there it was. Okay, Isaiah 34, this chapter is about the destruction of Babylon. It's about the day of the Lord. It's his vengeance. This, the, the, this is it. This is Revelation, the tribulation period. It's, it's the, the fireworks of the end times is in 34. By the way, there are several chapters in Isaiah doing the same thing. But 34 is a very, very bloody. It's, it's, it, this is big budget Hollywood right here because come near all nations and hear and heed you people, let the earth hear, and all that's in it, the world and all things that come forth, for the indignation of the Lord is against all nations. His fury is against all armies. He has destroyed them, given them over to the slaughter. Okay, this is the day of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Their slain shall be thrown out, and their stench shall rise from their corpses. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And then it goes down, the, the heavens shall be dissolved as a scroll. We read that in Revelation. Remember the heavens as a scroll are rolled together? The host falls down, my, sh my sword shall be bathed in heaven. It goes down, the people 
are cursed for judgment. The earth, the sword is filled with blood. Oh, man, this is bad stuff, right? Keep going on. And then it says, the wild oxen shall come down with them, bulls, mighty bulls. The land shall be soaked with blood. There it is, more blood. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance. Again, the recompense. The stream shall be turned into pitch. Oh, man, that's horrible, Sheila. The land into burning pitch. It will not be quenched. Keep going. Now, look at verse 11. The pelican and the porcupine shall possess it. Also the owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch out over it the line of confusion, the stones of emptiness. They shall call its nobles to the kingdom. None shall be there. All its princes shall be nothing. What in the world does that mean? And the thorns shall come near. So it keeps mentioning things. It mentions jackals, bees, goats. But then in verse 15, do you see the very last sentence of verse 15? There shall the, the hawks be gathered, hmm. everyone with her mate, or the eagles. Okay, in, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. In Isaiah 34, we have carcass mentioned in verse 3, and eagles in 15. So, what Jesus was saying was, for those of you that have the ears to hear and can figure this out, go to Isaiah, and from carcasses to eagles, include that in Matthew 24. That's what Jesus was telling us. Now, isn't he a genius, yes, Sheila? Yes, I think I can. Great stuff. <laughs> okay. So, that being said, now, in verse 16, search the book of the Lord, no one shall fail. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God's measuring line, it's going to happen. Okay. So, everything from verse 3 to verse 15, Jesus also wanted to mention. So, in, in verse 27, when he says, the lightning will be seen. So, if we could say, well, that's the, the Barack Obama portion of, of prophecy. And then in the next verse, Jesus is hinting, throw in Isaiah 34, and these verses of the day of the Lord also include that. So in verse 27, we see the lightning thing, the, the satanic influx happening in verse 27 of Matthew 24. And then in verse 28, he says, where the carcass is, which includes more dark stuff. Now, well, how is there dark stuff here? Watch this, Sheila. If you go to verse 11 and 12, it tells us, now in Revelation 18, it says, it shall become the cage of those birds, those demon birds. You know how it says it? Dark spirits, demon spirits, hateful birds. That's Revelation 18, 1 and 2. Here in verse 11, it says, the pelican porcupine shall live in this land. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch over it, the land of confusion. And, and it goes on, uh, 13, it shall be the habitation of jackals, a courtyard for ostriches. Verse 14, the wild beasts of the desert shall meet with the jackals. The wild goat shall bleat, or the satyrs mentioned. The night creature shall rest there and find her rest. So that word for the owl that's mentioned, you've talked about this, I'm sure. You know, it's just interesting. As you were talking, I can't help but think there in Isaiah 34, Isaiah saw something like it. Well, not only does it mention owl there, it mentions almost like a transgenic goat hybrid that are going to appear after what? After gates are opened. Almost like an exactly. animal, demonic, chimera, diabolical, genetically engineered something, but part animal part possessed by evil spirits. I mean, it's why would it talk about the screech owl and as sort of a transgenic goat hybrid? Isaiah saw that. Very good questions, Ashila. And in verse 14, now this is a very interesting thing. Sometimes the translators, they didn't know the intents. They didn't have it all, right? They tried, they tried, they did their best. But in verse 14, it says, the screech owl and also, also shall find rest there and find 
for herself a place of rest. That word screech out means Lilith in, in the Hebrew, and this is the only place in the entire Bible where this word's used. And Lilith is the female demon goddess, the night demon. Lilith, the night hag. Yeah. And this is the only place used, but the translators made it into screech owl in, in the King James or night creature in the New King James, because they didn't know what to make of it. But uh, should they have said, and the demon Lilith shall... Uh, maybe they should have. I don't know. <laughs> but what Jesus was telling us was, okay, folks, Matthew 24, include Lilith demons are going to be walking around. Now, if you look at that word jackal, and you look at the uh, original, the original for jackal comes from monster. So monsters, jackals and monsters, these are demonic creatures that Isaiah saw, and the jackal means demonic monster. Some of the translators call it sea monster in some of the verses where they use that same word. But it's monster jackal, demon, demonic creature. The word jackal here is that Anubis thing. And how interesting is it? Same word, Sheila, jackal in the Bible. We have the jackal, uh, Anubis creature, being paraded around America. Same thing. And, and what does he represent? He's the god of death? Well, and another question is, why is this Hindu destroyer goddess you know, this transgender, supposedly according to the Hindu legends, you know, why is this sitting outside of CERN? But the more important question is this very demonic Kali, that if you ask a Hindu what that represents, I mean, why is that splashed all over the Empire State Building just weeks ago? Who even sanctioned something like that? I mean, that is very insidious, isn't it? It was the creepiest thing. I, I saw that. I, I couldn't believe it. She, I was going, man, there's no stopping them now. I mean, they, they want this. It's not even and, clandestine anymore. It's just, it's right in our face. It's just like, we're going to do this. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. So when we look at Bible prophecy and, and what Jesus was telling us, and then we use Isaiah 34, ladies and gentlemen, th those, those creatures are not, it's not a zoo for regular, safe, you know, happy creatures that little kids can feed. <laughs> These are bad creatures. <laughs> They're demonic entities mentioned in Isaiah, and God is telling us that they will dwell in the land. Now, there are other chapters in, in Isaiah that, that mirror and, and cross-reference what we read here about Babylon being destroyed, and the jackal and the owl is also mentioned in some of the other references in, that we find in Isaiah several times. And here's what's interesting, Sheila. It says these creatures will forever dwell there. You see how it says that? They, they, they're not going to leave. Why does it say that? That's interesting, right? It is so, very they won't leave, and, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to do a search for this, go ahead and do it. I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth. I'm just reading the Bible. It says they will forever be there. So, if they're going to always possess it, this is what I wonder, Sheila. If we were to fast forward to the tribulation period where these demons are just wreaking havoc, and it's, it's the zombie apocalypse, because they're going to be possessing people to do crazy things. Then Jesus comes back, and settles everything, he settles the accounts of, with man, I'm wondering this, because it says forever and ever. So when Jesus arrives on earth, and I'm not, I'm not trying to establish prophetic policy here, or, or, or theology, eschatology as a rule, I'm just wondering. Because it says these are demonic creatures, Revelation says they invade Babylon, and Isaiah says they'll never leave, what if 
during the millennium period, when Jesus comes back, is there going to be like a zoo at some portion of the earth where they're just caged in, in a prison and they can't leave? It, it's a desolate wasteland, and in a way, it'll be a memorial to remind everyone, hey, this is what happened before Jesus showed up. I don't know, but I, I'm asking that question out loud because I've never heard anyone ask it, but it says they'll never leave, right? So they're arrival to this zoo, this, this divine zoo that God's going to cage them in. Now, some people say no. No, Nathan, God's going to throw them into the, to, uh, to hell, the minute he arrives. But we don't find that in the Bible. All we find is when Jesus returns, he grabs the Antichrist and the beast and throws them in the lake of fire. All the, the other creatures, what happens to them? Because they get loosed at the end of the thousand years to try to do a rebellion. You know, at the very end, Revelation talks about it, the Gog-Magog invasion or attempt. So Satan will be loosed, and all his minions will then try one more time to cause a rebellion. So in the meantime... These creatures, where are they held? Well, in Isaiah, it says they won't leave. It's going to be a prison. So I'm just throwing that out. I don't know. It's interesting, but oh, that's speculation, I, and I'll admit that. But let's go backwards from that. Let's, let's come, for, come backwards from the return of Jesus until they're in their, their prison that Revelation tells us is going to exist. They are going to be coming through the portals like crazy in, in massive numbers. Revelation 9 tells us they pour out like locusts on the surface of the earth. The, and then later on, we see the river Euphrates is loose, and this frogs burp them out, or uh, the, the, the four demon, the angels. The frogs burp out the locusts, I'm sorry. But uh, we still see these weird creatures, right, of demonic entities. So if that's all going to happen in the tribulation period, if we come backwards, they're coming on, on the surface of the, the earth right now, Sheila. It's happening now. And mankind and this idiot stupidity is welcoming them. Some of the pagans are. So now, where does that put us? What, what dynamic do the people of God need to understand in trying to resist this and wrestle it? I think it puts us in the light of, hey, folks, the time of messing around and being a flaky, you know, follower of God, with your armor all rusty and your sword not even sharpened, and you know, Sheila? Absolutely. The time, as Nathan just alluded to, we're in some pretty serious times. And I think the point here is that things are going to get bizarro world like you've never seen. And they're going to get incredibly ramped up here. And I think we're about to landslide into something we've never. I mean, Jesus talks about, you know, the time coming when there's never been another time like it in the history of the world. I mean, we've been through some pretty crazy stuff historically, but there's nothing like it. So when you start seeing demonized hybrids manifest and zombie apocalypse and a combination of all these crazy creatures and beasts and things manifest, I mean, you're right. It is time to armor up, battle up. I mean, and the good news, I guess, is that true Holy Ghost filled powerhouse believers in Jesus Christ, we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. We ought to be appropriating it. So, I mean, it's time to suit up, armor up, because I'm going to tell you, this is no time to be some fence-sitting, lukewarm wannabe. I mean, the time for games is over. We really do live in exciting times, but also there's scary times at the same time. But one thing that's exciting coming up in the waning moments, I want you, Nathan, to talk about the event that you have coming up this weekend and how our listeners can attend. Okay, um, we're, we're going to be doing, and I'm doing it with Benjamin Baruch, He's a great brother in the Lord, and also Michael Snyder of Economic Collapse blog. 
um, it just kind of happened, Sheila. Benjamin has been telling me for years that the church needs to begin doing a solemn assembly. And by the way, what that means, it comes from the book of Joel. When, when in, in the context of the book of Joel, it's, it's the fireworks. They're, they're going on. It's happening. You know, day of the Lord, all that stuff. But at the same time, Joel says, therefore call a solemn assembly and let the people of God weep and, and repent and, and cry out to God to, to clean up so that God will find favor with them and protect them and cover them. So that's one of the challenges that the end-time church needs to become acquainted with. It's basically a revival in your own heart to get back to the, our first love, to the basics. And, Sheila, I know that it's hard living in, in Babylon in having the spirit of Egypt. I know it's not easy. Of course it's not. We, we know that. That's what, it, that's what the struggle of, of mankind is and Christianity is. So there's some people that are struggling and, and some aren't very satisfied with where they are. They're not happy with where they are. Some are struggling. Some have strongholds, etc. And that's the story of, of most people at one time or another. So I want to offer this as a thing of hope. What it is is as a, as a time for people who, who, by the way, I think we're pretty much full now. It, it, we're, we're probably going to be packed out, overflowing. I don't know. We, we'll, we'll find out. But we're also going to, it's going to be televised on YouTube, uh, streaming. Live streaming, excellent. But after it, it streams live, then we will also have it on YouTube to find. But I don't want it just to be limited to here in Idaho where I live. I, I, I want this, and, and Benjamin and, and all of us involved, we want to see this become a challenge to the church. You know, while Babylon's coming through the gates and doing their thing, the church needs to also be rising up as the army of the Lord, recruited as his candidates to try to, to uh, not try, to do it with the help of God, the exploits of God. Great exploits, right? Absolutely. To get to know God better, to get rid of the mess, to repent. Because Jesus is in the business of forgiving. He, he brings the ministry of reconciliation. He heals. He restores. And people can be forgiven, and the past can be buried in the sea. So I want to offer this as hope. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, we need to just need to keep moving forward. We need to stay the course, run the race, and finish it with endurance. If you're downcast and, and you don't feel like you're where you're supposed to be, tomorrow's a new day, and God, the blood of Jesus, is powerful to forgive. He can restore. The, the, lay the burden down. We need to drop the weights that so easily beset us, but Jesus can do it. He's able. So the challenge in that is for the people that have the eyes to see to get a hold of that hunger to do that. So I'm hoping, Sheila, that maybe other churches will get involved and they'll take it where they are and this will just start something that needs to be started because it is prophesied, the solemn assembly. Yes. So why not us, right? Why not us to, uh, to get it going? So uh, Where is that event then exactly, and when does it start, Nathan? Okay, we're having it. It's in Sandpoint, Idaho, in the panhandle of Idaho, and it's going to happen this coming Friday. And, of course, people are listening past the date. The date is going to be on the, the 18th and the 19th and the 20th. So we are meeting at the uh, event center in Sandpoint. On my website, watchmanscry.com, it has the details. And there's links to, to be able to find. I'll have all the links so that people can follow along. Excellent. Well, folks, you want to bookmark that. Again, watchmanscry.com. Do try to get out there if you can. I mean, this is a really important event. And who knows, maybe it'll be the first in a series of many more to come, Nathan. Nathan, it's always so amazing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming by. And I hope you do come back and see us soon and you can report on how the conference was. 
Amen. Thanks a lot. Sure. Thank you, Nathan. Folks, that was Nathan Leal from WatchmansCry.com. Do get out to that event if you can. And if you can't, well, do go to Nathan's website and try to pick it up on the live streaming. It is a very timely event indeed, considering what we're up against. Folks, tomorrow I have on the program Pastor James Manning and in the second half, Dr. Chuck Baldwin. It's going to be a fantastic show, so you will want to be here tomorrow for that. And of course, just a reminder, if you have not got your hands on a copy of Green Gospel, The New World Religion, my book, please do pick one up at greengospel.ca and do pick one up for your pastor, your church congregants, friends, family, anyone who needs to understand about the Green Agenda. I think it's a very timely book, really important topic. And of course, with the Pope coming in just a few short days away, there's a lot happening and it's very important that we wake people up. It is a great tool to do that and I hope you do that. Please be sure to follow me on YouTube, follow me on Twitter as I put updates on there. And as well, if you have not followed my podcast, do so. Go to WeCanVigilante.com and click on that automatic button on the right-hand side, that pink button. It'll take you right there. Follow it and you'll be the first to get all the latest archives. Also, for people that didn't catch the beginning of the show, I have an app. Just go to the app store on any mobile device and download the app. Search Sheila Zelinsky, and there you have it. The show at your fingertips. There's a lot going on, folks, but I do want to remind you that if you are listening to this broadcast and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to hear from you. And if you have never been water baptized as an adult, I also want to hear from you. And if you do not speak in tongues, well, you know what to do. Get a hold of me. My information is there at WeekendVigilante.com. It's really important because we need to be appropriating what we are given by God Almighty, especially for these end times, these last days that we're living in. Very perilous times indeed. So... I want to hear from you and just drop me a line anyway. Let me know if you're a new listener and you like the show. I really want to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight. Good night and God bless.